Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for your love. And thank you for putting it all inside of us in the person of Jesus Christ. I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit does the teaching. Help me not to get distracted in my mind, but to hear only what it is you want said. Open our hearts and ears to hear what it is you want to teach us, for you are the teacher. We thank you for that. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The rest of grace. For the benefit of some of our guests this morning, I want to tell you why we're doing this series. We're almost done. We've got three or four messages left, uh, but you can go online and catch up. This particular series is based on the fact that we have come to know our identity in Christ. If you don't know what that is, your identity in Christ is the real you. It is who you really are. I used to believe that what I did was who I am. And that is something that caused a lot of confusion in my growing up years. I grew up German Baptist, so I got strict and strict. It was like double whammy. Seriously, it was pretty, pretty strong. But in those years, I learned to love Jesus. I really did. I always had an authentic love for Jesus. And Lori made fun of me last Sunday during the picnic because I stole liquid paper from the teacher's desk in school, went to the bathroom and scribbled, Jesus loves you on the stall. (laughs) Who does that? Anyway, I authentically loved Jesus. I really did. But the system that I grew up in led me to believe Now, whether I heard grace or not, I'm sure it was taught somehow, my ears and my system wouldn't let me hear it. And what I heard was this. I heard Old Covenant, which was, if you're good, God will bless you. If you're bad, he'll punish and curse you. Or even worse, when you sin, he is far away because he can't handle sin. And yet, Jesus became sin. Huh. So that one I didn't think about back then. So I had the system of earning my acceptance with God. I knew God loved me because he has to. He's God. He loves everybody, right? It's his job description. But I did not believe he liked me. I did not believe he accepted me. That Oh, my goodness. I couldn't even accept me. And so to have God reveal to me 15 years ago that I was accepted and valued radically changed my life. And because of that message of of my identity in Christ, knowing that at the cross, Jesus made me pure, clean, holy, righteous. I am clean right now, and so are you. And as believers, you get to experience the benefits of being clean and forgiven. You don't have to beg for forgiveness. That may seem weird if you come from a different church background like the one I grew up in. Because I was told I have to keep begging for forgiveness to stay forgiven up. You know, seven up? I had to be forgiven up. It was up to me to maintain my righteousness, and I did not recognize the righteousness of Jesus Christ living in me. In fact, I didn't even know Jesus was in me. I kind of thought he did the in and out thing, flip-flop. Whenever I was good, he was there. When he's bad, I'm gone. I, I did not understand the concept of my union with Christ. Probably one of the best-kept secrets in the Western church are oneness with Jesus Christ. 
You and I are one with him. And through that whole journey of discovering who I was in Christ, and I love what, what you said earlier, but now you're just, you're just learning this grace. What, just let just kind of sink in. It has taken such a long time for it to sink in. And knowing how to rest in Christ. That I don't have to do anything for my acceptance anymore. None of us do. Nobody has to do anything to be accepted by God. But when you believe it, it will change your life forever. When you receive and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, it'll transform you. So now, as I was growing up, and we got kids going, you know, being raised, and instead of being told, you're, because you know, my mom told me all the time, you are bad. <laughs> I got that a lot. My sister will concur. Um, <laughs> but guess what happened? My identity was, I am bad. So I had a dichotomy going on. I had a dualism going on inside of me. I believe there was two of me, a good me and a bad me. Folks, according to scripture, there is only a good you that exists. There's something else going on. I don't have time to get into it today because that's another message altogether. There's something else going on inside of our bodies that is causing the confusion. But your spirit, your spiritual identity is pure, righteous, holy, redeemed, reconciled, and pure and forgiven. That's a done deal. Now, take the rest of your life and let that sink in. Oh my goodness. I thought I had to change my behaviors to get right with God. No, I had to recognize I was already right with God. And when I believe it, my behaviors will change. So now I tell my kids, you're good. But that behavior is inconsistent and not right. You are good. Right, Simon? You're good. Yeah. See? It's my boy. My son in whom I am well pleased. And I mean that. If we can see our Heavenly Father could love us as much as I love my kid. Oh my goodness. How come we have this idea that we think God is angry at us? Where does that come from? It comes from a false understanding of who his son is. His son is Jesus. And when Jesus came, he said these really profound words. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father and I are one. We're the same. There's no difference. There's no good cop, bad cop, which is what I grew up believing. Jesus was just there to shield us from the Father. The Father loves you. He's nuts about you. He likes you. That's weird, I know. He likes you. He likes me. And after I realized this, the truth set in, but now it's taken almost 15 years still to let that truth sink in and be believed deep in my heart and in my mind. I'm still flip-flopping once in a while, depending on circumstances, believing how true it is. The gospel's good news. Not sort of good news. It's good news. Hence, when you know your identity in Christ, you can learn to rest in him. That doesn't mean passive. It just means learn to rest in him and abide in him. So what we've been doing now, after teaching this here for 12 years almost, it's time to move on to the rest of grace. <laughs> How do we work from a place of rest actively, becoming a participant, a co-participant with the Holy Spirit who lives in us, and to live out this walk of grace without legalism? No more crap. 
Stands for Christian Rules and Procedures, just in case you're wondering. So let's dig into this. We're actually using an Old Covenant verse to bring this around. Let's see if we can get there. Oh, yeah. So the first time, if you, if you want to go back online, you can see these. Realize and rest in your identity. That's the first uh, session. I think it's two messages. And then um, to discover and develop your ability. Like this is, this is how we can move on to the rest of grace. By discovering this. First, realize your identity. Discover and develop your abilities. Accept an appropriate good news. And today, we're going to start on experiencing and expressing a grace-based outlook. Personal attitude. This is huge. And I will not finish today. If, I just know it, all right? So, and then, of course, we're going to end up with a, how does a supernatural lifestyle look like? Practically. Not weird, real. And it comes from this, Isaiah 61. The Spirit of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, Freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. This is only good news today. I have a clip that uh, I want to show you in just a second. Oops. So we're going to need volume on there. Um, but if you had a chance to dream this dream, what would it look like for you? Have you tried and tried and tried and, and failed and failed and failed? Have you struggled with a hope of not succeeding in a particular area? Or, oh, I've, I, I used to have this dream, but there's no way I'll ever see it happen. Let's take a look at a certain person's history and see how God has used that. Take a look at this. Lights out. Rubber. It's everywhere. Tires, iPod cases, basketballs, even the soles of your shoes. We live in a world insulated and protected by rubber. Back in the 1800s, rubber was just becoming popular except for one problem. The cold winter air would make it hard and inflexible. And in the summer, it became a sticky, gooey mess. One man would change all that. His wife's kitchen became a laboratory. His family possessions were pawns. And without any sort of chemical training or education, he struggled through dozens, hundreds, and eventually thousands of chemical experiments. All of this to make rubber useful. Most of us would consider such an endeavor a silly waste of time. But for this man, it was a journey of faith. He felt like he was on a mission from God to solve the mysterious melting rubber problem. And eventually, he did. He discovered the formula to galvanize rubber and make it a useful resource to the entire world. Charles Goodyear was the name of this passionate Christ follower. His name is familiar today because it is stamped on millions of tires, and the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company is the largest in the world. But Charles Goodyear never got rich from his little discovery. He actually lived on the edge of financial ruin until his death in 1860. Four decades later, Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company was founded by people who weren't even related to him. But the impact of this one man's discovery can be seen everywhere. Here's a man that followed God and followed his passion, not for personal glory, but because of faith. The truth is that God calls people to unusual tasks, 
Whether it's building an ark, breaking down a wall, retrieving a donkey, or discovering new things, God calls you to live on the cusp for Him. Whatever your passion, God wants to use it and you to glorify Him. Unfortunately, in the church world, we think that uh, if you're going to do stuff for God, it's got to be religious. Not so. Not so at all. We can find God working through all the different kinds of jobs that we see in our world. We even have a guy here who delivers salt to your door. Literally. So you don't have to lug it from the store, right? Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. Door-to-door delivery. (laughs) The point is this. Don't over-spiritualize that uh, doing stuff for God has to look churchy. If you get to do it in the church family, that's fantastic. Just don't be religious about it. Be real. Religion, the word religion means to bind up, religare. Are you religious? I hope not. I'm spiritual. I want to grow spiritually. But your attitude will also matter. I, I grew up in the church I grew up in. It was like the, almost the most unhappiest people in the world. Nobody smiled much. You know, it was weird on a Sunday morning and Especially my family, because we were always late, so everybody's grumpy, you know, walking in the church. But an attitude changes everything. And here's a beautiful verse as a wake-up call for us, the living. A relaxed attitude lengthens life. Can you believe that? A person's attitude in life will have a tremendous effect on everything they're going to do and what they are doing whether it's a positive attitude or a negative attitude. And we're not talking about joy boy attitudes where people say you have to always be happy, happy, happy. No, your attitude, which is different. Sometimes your expressions of what you're believing and feeling come out, but your attitude is what's critical. Paul had an outlook on life. In fact, it's his outlook on life that allowed him to do all the things that he did. He had a a grace-based attitude towards his heavenly father and towards Jesus that, man, if we can get a glimpse of it and believe it, it would transform how we live day to day. I hope you can come to see this. Listen to this. Uh, Okay, that's a lot. I know, but too bad. This is, there's so much in this. I'm going to read it for you. You don't have to read. I'm going to read it out loud. But there's so much in this text alone. That you, my prayer is you get to leave here going, okay, that part was cool because the Holy Spirit showed me something really neat. Let's, I'm going to read this for you and I'm going to emphasize some of the things that I think are really important. How we praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we belong to Christ. Stop there. Recognizing you are blessed. I had a moment this morning where I was a bit grumpy and I was out for a walk and suddenly the Holy Spirit said, start thanking. Oh, I don't feel like it. <laughs> Can you believe that? <laughs> and then I, right away, because I, I had an idea of what I was going to be teaching, it all kind of came back to my mind. I went, oh man, that's what you're talking about. On the cuff, at the moment, abiding at the moment of the thought put into you by the Holy Spirit, we respond. Will you trust him? to remind you moment by moment, even when you forget, he will remind you. You don't have to beg God for blessings anymore. You have everything you need. And when you can understand how complete you are in Christ, your outlook will be so big because you can say, hey, I lack nothing. Let's go. What's this dream, God? If it's from you, make it happen. You know, uh, confirm it. It'd be really cool. (laughs) You know, but just go. Go with the day. 
Try, experience, listen for his voice. And I think the other thing, another secret that most believers don't recognize, first their union with Christ, is knowing how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in you. I think that one's hard. My job here is to build and equip you, the saints, to do the work and to learn to hear his voice so when he tells you what to do, you'll learn to do it. Joyful obedience, grace-filled obedience. Not taskmaster master obedience, but grace-filled. It's beautiful. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave him great pleasure. So, we praise God for the wonderful kindness he has poured out on us because we belong to his dearly loved son. Do you know you belong? Even when you're lonely, even when you feel like an outcast, you belong. You have a place. You're in a family. You have value. You have meaning. This is critical. He is so rich in kindness that he purchased our freedom through the blood of his son and our sins can be forgiven. Is that what it says? <gasps> no. Are forgiven. This is non-negotiable, folks. And I can show you many voices in scripture that show us this. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God's secret plan has now been revealed to us. It's a plan centered on Christ, designed long ago according to his good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because of Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us, when? From the beginning. And all things happen just as he decided long ago. God's purpose was that we who were the first to trust in Christ should praise our glorious God. And now you also have heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us everything he promised, that he has purchased us to be his own people. Just, this is just one more reason for us to praise our glorious God. Do you need any more reasons? Wake up in the morning and read that to yourself and go, wow, this is going to be a good day. The attitude, instead of, oh, where's my coffee, man? You're like, you, that's fine for the first five minutes until you get it, but... <laughs> When you wake up and you read this, it's good news. Your attitude matters. And Paul understood something. He had a perspective of his heavenly father that mattered. That's why Paul could say this. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not, not that I was ever in need, for I, listen, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. 
I know how to live in, on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me the strength. I don't think our country, our, our Western Hemisphere gets this verse of I've learned to be content because it thrives on excess. It thrives on fear. Can you say, okay, Father, you've given me everything I need. I, I am content. Now what do you want me to do? Having that attitude, oh my goodness, now, you're, now your purpose changes. Oh, I'm after this car, man, or that house, or, or the boat, or whatever the car. You can have those dreams. Those are fine. And please, the religious church says those dreams are, they're just trying to get rich, and, 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 and they kind of judge you for wanting those things. Wait a minute. Wanting them, there's nothing wrong with that. Those are gifts from God. And he equips us and allows us to get these things, but they cannot be our God. He is our God. Living in contentment. And if he continues to bless and drive you towards that, especially if he put the dream in you, that's fantastic. I think we're too busy trying to build up stuff and not enjoying life. Uh, speaking to myself sometimes and how busy I get. You know, it's, it's crazy. Each person needs to evaluate their own lives. A sour attitude characterized by doubt and negativity is the antithesis of an attitude God produces in a Christian who trusts him. If you are acting all negative and, and uh, living out Eeyore's life, uh, everybody said, you know, however Eeyore does his thing. I have no idea. I'm Tigger. But anyway. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> that attitude by choice, and many times it is by choice, is a tough one to live from. Careful. Warning. Don't judge those who you perceive to have that attitude. They don't need judgment. They need understanding and love. And not with the attempt to try and change their attitudes. That's what this is for. I get to talk about it. <laughs> Let the Holy Spirit tell you. Otherwise, we become the judges, and we've not been called to judge. We have been called to love. Do you remember what the scripture says about looking after each other after the, fle after the flesh? It says we know not anybody after the flesh anymore. I don't know Dave just because he's a woodworker. You know, that's, that's not his identity. And when he acts mad and gets me mad, which never really happens because he's too relaxed, um, uh, if his flesh, whatever thing comes out of him, is not the real him. But I know him after his spirit. He is a Christian. He has Christ living in him. So I see Christ in him, not the behaviors. That's really hard to do when the exterior shell is all freaky. You know, you have people you're married to that are hard to love when they're not acting according to the spirit, but living out of the flesh. Your kids do that. We do that. We go to, just drive, drive in a roundabout for Pete's sake. You'll see flesh in action. <laughs> Holy smokes. But we don't know people after the flesh. We know them after the spirit. And Paul saw this because he had a bigger picture looking at, at spiritual things, not earthly things. His attitude changed everything. If you intend to realize your dream and see God's best expressed through you, then it is so important that we experience and express a grace-based outlook. Are you a faith walker or a flesh walker? Flesh walkers judge life by what they see. 
Those who walk by faith judge life by what God has said. Flesh walkers trust in circumstances. Faith walkers trust in God despite what their circumstances may be. One is a grace outlook, the other is a gross outlook. <laughs> what is your attitude? What about your faith in God? Can you wake up in the morning, next video, and take this in? Listen, listen to what the Holy Spirit could be telling you through this next video. Majestic is your name in all of the earth. You let your glory be seen in the heavens above. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have established a fortress of strength to still the enemy and quiet the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set into place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of heaven, the fish of the sea, and whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. Next morning, tomorrow morning, wake up and recognize the beauty and majesty of God's creation around you. Just begin, just begin to see it. And what's your attitude going to be towards that? A childlike faith. I passed a sand lot yesterday and some kids were playing ball. I strolled along the third baseline within the fielder's call. Say, what's the score, I asked. He yelled to beat the stuffing. There's no one out, but the, ba the bases are full. They're winning 42 to nothing. You're getting beat, aren't you, my friend? And then in no time flat, he answered, No, sir, not as yet. Our side hasn't been up to bat. <laughs> Two men looked through prison bars. One saw mud, the other stars. What is your attitude? We need to develop a grace based, grace-filled attitude. Grace is the divine enablement by the life of Christ in you for you to do all that he's called you to do. It's an attitude of divine favor that God has lavishly poured on you. It's God saying, I'm going to grant those who mourn in Zion, the church, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. Which mantle are you wearing? Are you appropriating the truth today? Do you know who you are and what you have? Stop and think about that today. That's all I'm going to leave you with as next week we'll dig into how to, actually we'll cheat how to develop it, and there's a number of really awesome things I'll share with you next week, but gotta come back. <laughs> um, 